Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Today's message is from a guest speaker. We pray this message speaks to you. We give you glory, God. There's no one like you, Lord. There's no one like you, O oh God. Praise God. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you so much. And what an absolute blessing to be in Central this morning. I'm telling you what, could you feel that today? These kids up here worshiping, Adam leading us into the presence of God, uh, absolutely awesome. We have enjoyed our time. Uh, myself and part of our team is here, Todd and Deb, maybe you'll get to connect with them. Todd's hanging out with your kids today. He's our children's pastor. He and Deb are married. They've been on staff with me for over 25 years, and uh, we are just really honored and privileged to be here. Uh, you guys have a great team here. Do you know that? Uh, you better believe it. You better believe it. And I'm not saying that is flattery. You know, when you flatter someone, the Bible says that's a snare for their feet. It is sincere appreciation for Pastor Kurt, his wife, beautiful family. We got to know your missions pastor last night, Vicki, and her husband, Chad. Adam, thank you for leading us. And uh, I know we have uh, many team members here. And uh, so good to be with you this morning. We are blessed to do that. If you've got your Bible, I don't care if it's on your smartphone, your iPad, leather bound or vinyl, whatever it is, just uh, grab your Bible. We're going to turn to it in a minute. Uh, If you are new to this church, I just want to say this. If you're uh, visiting today, uh, I just, you know, appreciate this church so much. I would encourage you to check out the website. You know, the website is the new front door of the church. You know that, right? I mean, we need to paint the front door, we need to mow the grass, but I can tell you right now, the new front door is a website, and I was on your website checking it out, and I, I loved what it said. It said, we see Central becoming, becoming. Central hasn't arrived. GT Church that I pastor hasn't arrived. In fact, if you're looking for a perfect church, I'd encourage you, this isn't it for you, because there are no perfect churches. You know why? Because there's humans here. In fact, if it was perfect, you coming today would have messed it up. <laughs> Some of you are going to get that later at lunch. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I tell GT, you know, we're not a perfect church, all right? But we're a healthy church. And I sense health here. It's a, a church. I love their first thing. They've got all these values about being radical, presence-based, family-oriented. It's a place of prayer. But I love this. It says we want to be radical, radically powerful and radically practical. You know, it's, it's the practical part of it, and it's the power of Almighty God, right? And uh, I so appreciate that. We're going to look at a message today uh, entitled this way. Here's how, here's how I framed my message today. When God doesn't fix it. I don't want you to raise your hand or whatever, but I know there are many in this room today. Many sitting in this sanctuary today, there are parts of your life that were broken. And it's not been fixed yet. Maybe it was a marriage, maybe it's your body, maybe it's something with your kids, your finances. I I don't know what it may be, but there are times in our life when things break and they don't get fixed. Now, God does the miraculous. How many know that? You're in a church that believes Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've seen the miraculous. In fact, as I talk to people, they say, well, Brian, I don't know. You, You talk about the miraculous How can there be a miracle in your life? You lost your wife and your leg in one second. I said, well, the miracle is I'm talking to you. That's the miracle. 
The miracle is I'm talking to you. So we believe, God, for the miraculous and the impossible. There's nothing impossible with our God. But there are times when there are things that are broken in our life and they don't get fixed. How many know this is earth? This isn't heaven. All right? This is earth. This is a fallen world that we live in, wrapped in the grace of God. But there are things in our life that are broken and they don't get fixed. You know, there's a lot of things. I'm holding this little jar. You know, this could be a vase. You could do a number of things with this. You could put a couple roses in it. Hint, hint, men. Um, All right? And if this thing falls on the ground, guess what? If it falls, I've just got one piece of it up here, it becomes broken. Now here's the thing. If you have a flower vase and you drop it and it breaks, what's one thing you're not going to do? You're not going to try to fix it. Oh, let me get all the little pieces. Let me get some super glue. and Let me try to... No, you ain't going to do that. When a flower vase or a, little gl- or a glass that you drink out of falls and it's broken, it's done. It's over. And there are many people that feel the same way about us, that when we get broken, I've had a divorce, you've had cancer, you've got this, you've got that, you say, well, I'm done. No, you're not done, because God can help you. There's a lot of brokenness that walks through. I think of our church, you know, we did a message one time called Broken to Beautiful. Only God can take the broken and make it beautiful. That's what Romans 8.28 says. He can take all things. All things that happen in our life are not good, but God can take those things that aren't, and He can fashion them, and He can take the broken and make it beautiful. All right? And so today, I don't know what you've walked into Central with. There may be a private pain that you're wrestling with. There may be some heartache in your life, but I want to tell you this. God is able to meet you. There are a lot of moments in our life. There are great moments. There are good moments. And how many know there are grieving moments? Whether you believe the Bible today, you may be here tonight, you say, I'm I'm here this morning, I don't know that I believe the Bible. That's all right. I'll bet you this, you're probably going to pay your taxes in 14 days, right? I, I imagine all of us have been in a funeral here. Whether you believe the Bible or not, here's what the Bible says, it's appointed for all men to die once. We're all going to die. Whether you believe God's Word or not, and it's okay if you don't, you're in that journey, I'm not... You know, I'm not judging your thought this morning, but I just want to say to you that whether you believe the Bible or not, we're all going to die. On June 7, 2015, that was almost my day. And I want to talk to you this morning about those moments in our life where they are grieving. And then you know what? Here's the beautiful thing. In our good, great, and grieving moments, God can show up and it can be a God moment. I'm praying today here at Central that there's a God moment for some of us where you're hurting and you're going through something. And I want to encourage you today, not by just my story, but I want to encourage you by God's story. You know, God's Word. If my story is not connected to God's story, then you know what? My story doesn't mean a whole lot. I speak on high schools, and I get it. I, I get it. We've taken, we've taken the Bible and prayer out of schools, and we've put crack cocaine and metal detectors in. I get it. And they invite me to speak, and I'll say, listen, I'm not trying to be whatever, but if you take the Bible, the prayer, prayer, and all those things out of my story, there is not much of a story. And they said, well, Brian, you go ahead and share whatever you want to share. See, when our story gets disconnected from God, there's not much story left. And so today, as I share my story, as I share God's story, I want you to think about your story. Now, you may be sitting here today, and you may be good. It may be sunny and 70. It is a beautiful day in southwest Pennsylvania, all right? 
beautiful day. And your life may be beautiful. And you may be sitting here today and you say, no, I'm broken. There's some brokenness in my life. So we're going to turn to the Word. The first verse I'm going to look at is uh, Isaiah. Isaiah 26.3. We're going to read it. The New Living Translation is what I'm reading from. Isaiah 26.3. Here's what it says. Isaiah 26.3 says this. I hear some turning. That's good. I like to hear that. Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace. Not, not partial peace. Not 75%. Perfect peace. All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. One more time. Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace. This is Isaiah, the prophet, speaking to the people of God. He said, you, meaning God, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. That verse has always meant a lot to me. And I want to share this with you, that when there are things in your life, when God doesn't fix it, here's what we need to do. We need to fix our thoughts on God. If there's something in your life today that feels broken, it feels lost, it feels damaged, I want you to know, and and it's not fixed yet, it may be a while, it may be something you're dealing with. Maybe it's years you've prayed for a situation in your life to change, and it's not changed. You say, God didn't fix it. I know, the Word says now we need to fix our minds on Him. We need to fix our thoughts on Him. How many have ever been to Israel? Raise your hand if you've ever been to Israel. All right, a few of us have been to Israel. That's awesome. I've had the privilege of being there uh, several times. And I want to say, if you want something on your bucket list, man, that's the thing to put on your bucket list. You say, Disney is on mine. Well, I'll tell you, right far above Disney is Israel. No, no, knock. Don't email me. Email Pastor Kurt if you've got a problem. I'll never forget being to Israel. We got there on the Sabbath. It was just moments before the Sabbath was going to start. We're driving up. You know, Jerusalem sits high. You've got the Dead Sea, one of the lowest places on earth, and you've got Mount Zion, Jerusalem, one of the highest places. And as we took that bus ride up toward Jerusalem, our uh, tour guide, Menachem, said this. He said, everywhere else in the world, when you learn about God, you have to open a book. We open this book called the Bible. He said, in Israel... What you can do is just open a window. You see where Jesus walked. I I floated in that boat on the Sea of Galilee. You get to be in Galilee and Judah. You get to be down in Jericho, and it's a wonderful place. And whether you know uh, Israel a lot or not, or whether you know Hebrew, I'm not going to ask how many people here in Southwest PA know Hebrew, and maybe there is. But what does the word shalom mean? Peace. Okay, you are. See, you're fluent. You know it. You're Hebrew. (laughs) Shalom. It means peace. Isaiah said you will keep in perfect peace, in perfect shalom, all those who have their minds and thoughts fixed on you. I got news for you. You go to Israel, and you walk down the streets of old city Jerusalem, and you walk up, they're not going to say, yo, what up, dog? (laughs) Ain't going to happen. I'm not saying never. Unlikely that someone's going to say, yo, hey, what up? Hi. They're going to say, shalom. Shalom. It's a greeting. It means peace. It means completeness, soundness, welfare, in peace. 
It means peace and quiet, tranquility. It means friendship, human relationships. There is shalom. And friends, what I want to say to you today, there can't be a lot of shalom and peace between us if there's not peace between us and God. Our story has to be connected to His story. The Bible says, whose thoughts are fixed. That literally means that you're leaning on God. Now here's the thing I want to say to you. I want everybody to hear me. We all lean on something. Everyone is leaning on something. You may be leaning on your spouse. You may be leaning on your money. You may be leaning on your talent or your gifts or your opportunity. We all lean on something, okay? And friends, what I want to encourage you to do, when the Bible says fix your thoughts on God, it means we need to lean on God. We need to lean on God. God is close enough to be leaned on. One of the verses that really ministered to myself and our church particularly was during my accident was Psalm 34, 18. It says this, the Lord is close. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. God is close enough. How many know God is really close to us? He lives inside of us. But God is close enough that you can lean on Him, that you can fix your thoughts and your mind, and you can lean on God. I know people that lean on drugs. Uh, you know, we were talking, Pastor and I, the same situation in Reading, Pennsylvania, on the eastern side of the state. Heroin is making a comeback. There, there are people that lean on drugs. They lean on alcohol. They try to kill the pain. But when you wake up and that hangover's over and you're starting to come off that high, guess what's there? Problems and more problems. People can lean on things. We need to lean on God. I want to encourage you today. If you're here and you don't know God, I want to encourage you just to lean on Him. The Bible says He lives within us. Our lives are full of defining moments. Uh, one of the privileges I've had is I've been a certified life coach, and so I get to connect with people business people, family, businesses, whatever, Christians, other pastors. And uh, there's this thing called a life map. And just real simple, if you're taking notes or you're jotting something in a journal, just draw three lines on it, three lines. So the first line, all right, is from the time you're born. In fact, we say this at GT all the time. You know, how many know numbers matter? Raise your hand if you know numbers matter. Okay, five of us, all right. Only five of us think numbers matter, all right. Um, how many keep the checkbook? Numbers matter, right? Can't, uh, you can't pay the bills unless you got the checkbook. Uh, how many know your anniversary? Men, come on. How many know your anniversary? All right, that's, that's an important number. There could be a frying pan coming your way if you forget it. <laughs> numbers matter. I say GT. You know, every number has a name. Every name has a story, and every story matters to God. There's a pastor in America that said that one time, and I never forgot it. I thought, you know what? People say, oh, well, numbers, we don't care. Listen, I don't know how many numbers of people are here today. There's a little app you can get on your smartphone. It's called ZUI, ZUI Days. You can just link anything. I put in an important number in my life, the day I was born, May 23rd, 1964. That's an important number for me. It was the day I was born. I've lived almost 20,000 days on planet Earth, all right? And the day you're born is an important number, and then you draw a line from the time you are born again. How many have found Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's an important day. You may not even know the day, and that's all right. 
But from the time you're born till you're born again, from the, the second line is from the time you're born again until right now. April 2nd. And that's not an April Fool's joke. Today is the second. Yesterday was April Fool's, all right? So from the time you're born again till today, that's a line. And then think about this. It's from today to 10 years in the future, just three lines. It's a simple way to tell your story. Central, I want to tell you something. It's really important that you know your story, that you can share your testimony and your story. We went out to eat last night. We had a waiter. What was the name of that restaurant, Vicky? Yeah, it was a nice place. We had John. John was our waiter. Nice guy. He was, you know, he's, uh, he, he saw their kid, uh, their, their son's little, uh, you know, superhero on the table, and he talked about how he has a Superman tattoo and a Batman tattoo, and next week he's going to a Star Wars convention. And he was pumped! I get nervous. When I see a guy in his 40s pumped about Star Wars, I'm like, whoa, okay. Man, if you can talk to me about Darth Vader, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. I'm dead serious. And I, I thought, okay, this is, this is my opportunity right here. And I said, well, hey, I know you're going there next week, but I said, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, because tomorrow I'm going to be at Central Assembly. Have you ever heard of that? And uh, what I did was I showed him how flexible I am, and I just lifted my leg up that high. Most guys that are 50 can't do that. And I showed him my beautiful kneecap. For 85 grand, it ought to be. You know, when I got this leg, they, they called and said, Brian, boy, she said the prosthetic uh, next step is the name of the place. They said, Brian, you know what? Uh, your kneecap is beautiful. I said, well, I just have to sit down. I've never heard that in my life. I'm a 52-year-old grandpa that was a catcher. I've never been told I have beautiful kneecaps. What I want to share with you is that in this community, you need to share your story. You can't be afraid to tell people about God. You're not beating them over the head. You're not slamming. Just be kind. Be nice. Oh, they're going to talk to you about Star Wars. We can talk to them about the gospel. My, uh, there's some important days in our life. 1981 was an important year in my life. That's the year I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. Talk about fixing your thoughts on God. In 1981, in the early part of the year, my thoughts weren't fixed on God. My thoughts were far from God. I was far from God. I was socially drinking, more than socially, I was just binge drinking. I was drinking as a 15, 16-year-old to get drunk. I was experiencing drugs. The only thing I wanted to do was stay sober enough and, and strong enough that I could play baseball because I was a baseball player. I don't think I took a book home one year of high school. And friends, that's not a good testimony. A good testimony is that God grabs you when you're early and he keeps you all the days of your life. Man, when I saw these kids up here, don't feel like you gotta go get out and crack, you gotta go to a party. No, you just stay close to God. The greatest testimony ever is that when God grabs you and keeps you. My wife, for example, God grabbed her at five years of age. Five years old and when she came to Christ. He delivered her from M&Ms and Kool-Aid. It was like, he set her free. It was awesome. I mean, just boom, no more M&M's. Boom, no more Kool-Aid. Doesn't get better than that. Michelob what? Kool-Aid. I was far from God. I was far from God, but in 1981, I did something unusual. It was an above-the-line moment for me. I went to the library. I'm in the library 
And there was a young girl there, and I thought, I'm just going to read my book with her. And I went over with my book, and you know what that young girl began to do? She was attractive, yes, but her spirit was attractive. She was a born-again Christian. And she began to witness to Brian Cuck. He said, Brian, where are you going to go when you die? I said, well, I'm going to go where all Americans go. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm not an axe murderer. Hey, on my money, it says, in God I trust. I'm not going. And she said, that's not what it's about, Brian. She said, you need a personal relationship with God. Long story short, her mom and dad, her dad said, the only place you can go with my daughter is to church. And I thought, well, you know what? I like your daughter, then I'll go to church. <laughs> Just a thought. And that day the preacher was preaching. I mean, he was bringing the word of God. I'll tell you, I felt like you needed asbestos in the front couple rows. He was preaching fire, man. He need, you need, about 80 years old, you need to get right with God. I grew up, I, you know, I was a creaster. Anybody know what a creaster is? We went twice a year, Christmas and Easter. Yes, all this is going to come back to you. Before tonight's service, uh, yeah. Two times a year. I didn't know God. I thought I was going to heaven because I was a, an American. No, the Bible says we're all lost. We're born into sin. We need to be redeemed by the grace of God. That night I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. It was a Tuesday night, Tuesday night church service in the Church of the Nazarene. Have you ever heard of the Church of the Nazarene? I, my part of the country, it was if you weren't Lutheran and Catholic, you were a cult. <laughs> Protestants go here, Catholics go there, everybody else is like, what? I sat there in the pew, Church of the Nazarene. I kept saying it to myself. Church of the Nazarene. The more I said it, the weirder it sounded. <laughs> but I want to tell you, that night I got saved. I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. Man, I didn't know. I didn't know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Malachi, are you kidding me? That's Malachi. First Corinthians, that's first Carnations. I didn't know the Bible. I got that home that night, Tuesday night, on a school night. Tuesday night, 11 o'clock, I sneak in. You know how you sneak in the house? You know, I used to do that a couple times. And you hit what you think is the light switch, and it's the food disposal. It's the garbage disposal. I don't know why they put that latch there. My mom comes in. She says, Brian, where were you? Where were you? I said, Mom, I was at church. She said, I'm going to ask you one more time. And then I'm going to get your dad up. My mom was raised in North Carolina. She was a Baptist. She had walked away from God, married my dad, who didn't know God at all. That night, I began to tell my mom what God did in my life. And I'll never forget what my mother did. My mother dropped to her knees. She wrapped her arms around my legs, and she began to sob. And she said, Brian, I've tried to give you everything that a good mother can give you. But she said, I haven't given you the most important thing. I've known about Jesus, but I never told you about him. My mother, that night on Tuesday night, at 11.30 at night, gave her heart and life back to Jesus Christ. So another year went by. It's 1982. I had another above-the-line experience. I graduated from high school. I didn't know if I would. I graduated on a Thursday night. Friday night. Friday was the MLB draft, Major League Baseball. And I was sitting by the phone, waiting for the phone to ring. The Toronto Blue Jays had talked to me, the St. Louis Cardinals, California Angels, a number of teams had looked at me. I, had a, I was going to have a full ride to Arizona State. I was going to go to college, even though I didn't really want to go to college. 
So I'm waiting for the phone to ring. It didn't ring all day long. About 11 o'clock at night, I was ready to go to bed. And I thought, well, it didn't happen today. The phone rang. The man on the other end of the, voice, uh, of the phone said, Brian, he said, uh, congratulations. He said, you've been drafted by the Chicago White Sox. And I thought, wow, I didn't hear from them. I didn't know the White Sox were looking at me, and they, they weren't, long story, but they drafted me. And uh, so I graduated Thursday, was drafted Friday. They flew the guy in on Saturday. My dad was my agent. I wouldn't always recommend that. He said, we're going we're gonna to do this, man. He said, I'm going to buy him a couple brand new dress shirts, and we're going to sign. And uh, I signed my contract. And uh, I ended up playing with the White Sox three and a half years. In fact, uh, my last year, my third, my third and final year, I got called up to the big leagues. So I'm 20 years old. I go up in spring training. Anybody a Red Sox fan? Raise your hand if you're a Red Sox fan. You like the Red Just hold. Okay, keep it up. Everybody just extend your hand and pray for them right now. Pray for her right now. She needs prayer. Well, if you're a Red Sox fan, you know Carlton Fisk. Carlton Fisk was a big-time Hall of Famer. Red Sox came over to the White Sox. He ended his career with the white color, right color socks on. I went up that day because uh, he was hurt. I was a catcher, and uh, I played my first day. Tony La Russa shook my hand, you know, now coaches the Cardinals, or used to, and I, I, I was like, oh, Tony touched my hand. I was blown away. At 20 years of age, I was nervous, you know. That summer, I went back down to the minor leagues, got back down to reality, and uh, long story short, we're playing one night up in Geneva, New York, playing the Cubs, White Sox playing the Cubs. And uh, I was a catcher, and I'm a born-again Christian. I'm living for God. It wasn't always easy in pro ball. There was all kinds of carrying on and drinking and wild lifestyles. But I was trying my best to live for God. I was growing. You know, and I want to just say this. If you're a new Christian here at Central, you need to get in this discipleship class. You need to get, it's a 12-step program, right, Pastor? You, you just need to, you need to get connected to that. I'm going to tell you, because when I, that night I got saved in that church, you know what they told me to do? Three things, Brian, you got to do. You got to go to church, you got to pray, all right, and you got to love God. So go to church, love God, pray, and they, they also threw in read the Bible. Okay, so I went home that night, that night, after I prayed with my mom. So it's like quarter to 12, I opened the Bible. Guess what I opened it to? This big family Bible on the nightstand. You know, my mom used to dust it. It was like a piece of furniture. I opened this Bible up to Zechariah. Zechariah, people. Visions, dreams, scrolls. I'm thinking, this dude's got more problems than I got. I don't know what he's smoking, but he's smoking something. They should have said John. Maybe the Gospel of John. So I want to encourage you, when you... Come to Christ. Get in this discipleship thing. It's really, really critical, all right? And so I'm, I'm living for God. I look over to the dugout. My coach is, you know, pulling his ear, doing, you know, all the signal stuff. He's giving me the signal, and then I would read it, and I'd give fastball, curveball, slider, or whatever. I look over, and he's going like this. You know what that means? The wiggling of the thumb, universal. The wiggling of the thumb meant beanball. You know what a beanball is? You're going to hit that batter intentionally with a baseball. You do that here in Houston, you're going to do a couple days or get fined. It's called assault. Baseball is part of the game. So now, he's doing this. Now I have a decision to make. I'm a Christian. i got about 10 seconds. 
I decide I'm not going to do that. I give fastball inside. I'm down on my squat, fastball inside. The pitcher, who was my roommate, didn't hit him. This guy comes out of the dugout. My manager, about this high, you know how they put their gloves over their mouth when they're on TV, you know? He should have had a glove stuffed in his mouth. He was cursing me up and down, yelling at me. He said, Brian, if you ever want to go back to the big leagues again, you better listen to what you're told. I want this kid hit, and I want him hit now. He goes back in the dugout. The young guy from Chicago is a right-handed hitter. They hit him on his bottom, on his glove hand, broke his ring finger. His career ended that season. I come up three innings later. I'm standing in the batter's box. We're winning the game like five to two. We're winning. It's the eighth inning. I'm in, and this young kid throws a 90-mile-an-hour fastball at me. Not at my ribs, not at my hands. He throws it behind my head. So I'm really in there trying to hit. He throws that ball here. You're not used to, like, leaning forward. I lean back. The ball ran up underneath my helmet, hit me right in the face. Just about knocked my eye out of my head. You got a little while before lunch, so I can share this. My eye was swollen. I mean, like, it was like a grapefruit on top of my face. I laid there. I was never knocked unconscious. My head hit home plate. I'm laying there. I heard the crowd gasp. I laid there, and they took me to the Niagara Falls Hospital. I, next day, I flew to Chicago, and the team doctor in Chicago looked at my eye. And basically, what he told me was, he said, Brian, he said, you're never going to play baseball again. He said, the retina on your, uh, the retina on your, uh, um, well, your, your retina, it's the macula on your retina, which is the back part of your eye. All my central vision was lost, so I lost nearly 95% of my left eye. Friends, I want to tell you, those are times when you have to fix your eyes on God. I laid in that hotel room that night and I just cried. My whole life was baseball. And God was reminding me, Brian, no, your whole life isn't baseball anymore. Your whole life is me. I'm not a part of your life. I am your life. It's not job, marriage, money, kids. No, it's God and all this stuff. Put, you've got to seek first the right thing and all the other things will take place. If God's just one of the things in your life, it's not enough. He's got to be the preeminent thing in our life. So that day, my baseball career was ended. So when God doesn't fix it, my left eye is not fixed. It's the same way. In fact, the blind spot I have, believe it or not, is in the shape of a catcher's mitt. It literally is in the shape of a catcher's mitt. God didn't fix it, but I'll tell you something he did fix. He fixed my calling. The last thing on planet Earth I ever thought I'd be was a pastor. The last thing on planet Earth. I didn't even know what pastors did. Stand up and talk for a few minutes and get paid? That sounds like a pretty good deal. Is that all you do, Kurt? Don't email Kurt on that one. Email Adam on that one. Or Todd or whoever. Email one of them. All right, second verse. Here we go. Psalm 77, verse 16 through 20. One of the most important stories in the Bible. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, verse 16... Its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning, the lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Have you ever had a time in your life when it felt like that? Just a storm. Friends, I want to tell you, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, can stand that boat, and He can still speak to the winds. He can still speak to the storm. He can make them calm.
It says in verse 19, and this is the verse that spoke to me. I was now out of the hospital, but it said, Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. I want to share with you today, if you've got something broken in your life, God has a road for you that you don't even know is there. Nobody would have ever guessed that under the Red Sea, God had a road. All he had to do was divide the water and let all the Israelis, millions of them, walk across. And when Pharaoh and the chariots chased him, you know what happened? He brought the sea together. God doesn't fix things always immediately. He really doesn't. There's times in our life, yes, He can do the miraculous. He can provide the healing. He can restore the marriage. He can save your kids. He can bless your finances. But there's times when things are broken and they're not fixed. He didn't fix it immediately for Joseph, did He? 36 years Joseph walked in brokenness. Did He fix it for Jeremiah or Isaiah? No. Did He fix it for John the Baptist? John the Baptist, who's the forerunner of the Messiah, who preached, who baptized people in Jordan, had his head cut off. Jesus said he's the greatest man ever born of a woman. Did God the Father fix it for Jesus immediately? He hung on that cross. He died for our sins. And on the third day, God rose him up. He did give him victory, but not immediately. Here's the second thought. When God doesn't fix it, he will bring you through it. Even though God may not fix it, He will bring you through it. 2017, we were having, I want to tell you, you need to, you're praying, you're praying for the egg extravaganza. Thank God for that. You need to pray for tomorrow night at the hotel when we talk to all the first responders around this county. Policemen, firemen, EMTs that struggle. I'm, can you imagine what our world would be like if we didn't have them? Can you imagine the anarchy? Think of how our culture is treating them right now. They deal with a guy that's doing something wrong, and they get blamed for dealing with him the wrong way. Now, are police perfect? No. Are many of them sinners? Yes. You need to pray that God is going to use that time. That's, God is blessing this church as you respond to this. In fact, one thing you can do, every time you hear a siren, you can just stop whatever you're doing and say, God, I don't know that person. I don't know what they're going through, but I pray right now. Let that be something sticky that makes you go to prayer. Sunday morning, June 7th, we're having a first responders day. We've got 50 or 60 first responders sitting in our church. We honored them. We talked about true blue. We talked about biblical friendship. It was a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Uh, when I got into baseball, I didn't have a lot of hobbies. I tried to play golf. I, I'd hit it a country mile, but the wrong direction. It didn't help. I would kill wildlife. Baby raccoons were losing their lives. It was horrible. I just thought, this isn't good. i got to quit. But for 20 years, I rode a motorcycle. Since I was age 11, I learned to ride a motorcycle, and my wife and I had a Harley Davidson, and that was our hobby. And that day, we got on our bike, and we did about a 30-mile ride up to Lancaster, and we talked. We were expecting our first grandchild in October. We were getting to the place of empty nesters. How many are empty nesters? There's one word for empty nesters. It's like, yes. I mean, I'll tell you, I was so blessed today. Man, seeing Adam up here leading worship, holding that little one. Was that your son? Wow. See these kids worshiping God. Children are a heritage from the Lord. I love kids, all right? And I've got three boys, and I'll tell you what, I am blessed. 
And Lynn and I were just meeting and talking about that day and how our life was going to change. Our youngest was going to go to college. Our middle one was getting married and our oldest was going to have a baby. And so we did a ride on the bike. We, you know, had a little ice cream. We rode home. We got within a mile of our house on a really bad turn that I've taken 10,000 times. In fact, I had said to Lynn one day, I said, you know, this is a turn that you got to be tight on the white line because if someone's messing with the radio on the phone or whatever uh, and you're on that double yellow, it could be game over. We were on that turn, going into that turn, and a young man that was four times more drunk than he should have been hit us head on. You saw the, the accident. My wife was taken instantly. I had a big 900-pound bike, a limited edition. It, she couldn't be thrown off the bike. Her neck just snapped, and it was... The, the state police, when I woke up, told me, they said, Brian, we want you to know two things. None of this was your fault, and secondly, your wife didn't suffer one second. That day, I was given 36 units of blood. Had it not been for first responders, I'd be dead. Well, I shouldn't be, I would be dead. I'd be eternally alive. Come on. Eternally alive. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 36 units of blood, enough for six men my size. 19 surgeries. My leg was nearly amputated at the scene. They said when they put me on the stretcher, they thought my leg was going to fall off. My leg was amputated at the Reading Hospital with a pair of scissors. 19 surgeries after that. I battled infection. I battled all kinds of trauma. They really told my boys, they said, we don't think your dad's going to make it through the night. Tonight, we're gonna, I, I want to encourage you if, you, if you do come back tonight, we're going to just, we're going to do it in an interview style, a conversation, but I'm going to share some things with you about forgiveness, about healing, about what it's like. How can I talk to God when he doesn't fix it? Is it okay to question God? Yes, it is. You just can't live there. You've got some tough questions in your life. Come back tonight, and we're just going to have a conversation. Never forget the day I woke up and they told me. I, I woke up and I didn't even know where I was. I have no memory of the accident. I haven't had a dream about it. I woke up and the, one of the, the elders in our church, Greg Hubbard, an evangelist, he was sitting there praying for me at 6 a.m. in the morning. And I said, Greg, what are you doing here? He said, uh, I'm, I'm here because I love you. I said, well, I love you too, but why are you here? I said, in fact, where are we? I said, where's my wife? No one will tell me where Lynn is. I was having moments of clarity. I'd wake up. And I'd ask a question, and if they didn't want to answer it, you just change the subject, and I'd go on. I said, where's Lynn, Greg? He said, well, she's with the Lord. I said, I know she's with the Lord. We're all with the Lord. But I mean, where, where is she? He said, you want a cup of coffee? I said, yeah, I'll have a cup of coffee. Later that day, my sister-in-law came in, and they decided they were going to tell me. I didn't even know I had lost my leg. I'm laying there in the bed. And I said, Rhonda, where is Lynn? She said, Brian... And this is what the chaplain told her to say. She's dead. Not with the Lord, not wherever. She's dead. She died. And Brian, you've lost your leg. I'll never forget reaching down over my left leg and not even feeling my kneecap. I'll never forget that feeling as long as I live. 51 days in the hospital. I was out for over three and a half weeks in a medicated coma. They buried my wife while I was unconscious. I've done hundreds of funerals in 30 years. I never thought I would ever see the day that my wife would be buried and I wouldn't even be at the funeral. In fact, I told her long, many years ago, I said, I'm going to go before you do. Most men do. If you're taking notes, men, just a thought. 
got to get ready. But I missed her funeral. I had to watch it on video when I woke up. My first day at home, I, June 7th, the accident happened. My first day home was August 8th, which was our 28th year wedding anniversary that day. I stood at the refrigerator, didn't even have my prosthetic leg. They didn't know if I'd ever get to wear a prosthetic leg because my leg was so damaged and messed up. They thought they were going to have to take it off at the hip. I stood there in front of my refrigerator looking at my wife's picture and the tears just rolling down my face. Friends, I want you to know something. As it said in the video, my wife is alive today. She's alive in the presence of God. And I want to just say this, and her legacy lives on. My boys love their mom. Tonight I'm going to talk about forgiveness. I'm going to talk about looking into the eye of a young man that took my wife's life, gave me a life sentence. And we're going to talk about how do you forgive that? I run into Christians that say, I haven't talked to my kid in six years because something happened at the 4th of July or Thanksgiving. And I'm like, what? What? How do we forgive? The last thing, the last thing I'm going to say, and we're going to close. In fact, Adam probably can come if he wants to the team. Deuteronomy 7. So now God gets them through the Red Sea. When God doesn't fix it, we need to fix our thoughts on God. When God doesn't fix it, He will bring you through. If He brings you to it, He will bring you through it. Nothing's going to come to your life that God doesn't allow. Deuteronomy 7. Now they're in the promised land, but they still have some giants to fight. They've got the Hittites and the Amorites and all these people in the promised land. And here's what God says. Deuteronomy 7.21. Do not be afraid of those nations. For the Lord your God is among you and He is a great and awesome God. The Lord your God will drive those nations out ahead of you. Look at this. Little by little. You will not clear them away all at once. Otherwise the wild animals would multiply too quickly for you. But the Lord your God will hand them over to you. Gang, here's what I want to say. In fact, before I do that, I see I messed up. And before I tell that final story, this would be a good transition. I, I, I know we're going to pray for the Red Sox fan. Um, anybody a Yankees fan? Because that's even worse. Just check. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're a Yankees fan? Are you? Well, we're going to pray and fast for you. Now, Who's a Pirates fan? Oh, yeah. Pirates fan. You back there in the beard, here you go. I was a catcher. Hopefully I can still get it there. You ready? It's a t-shirt. They're a double-A team for the White Sox. Cleveland. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I don't have a Cleveland Indians t-shirt. Little by little. God said, I'm going to bring you to it, and I'm going to bring you through it. But I'm not going to wipe these nations out overnight. I'm going to do it little by little. Because if I wiped them out in one day, there'd be so many wild animals, they would destroy you. How many know God has a perfect plan? Even when you're broken. Even when you're broken. It doesn't mean God's going to give you 100% of it back. But I want to tell you, He can take the brokenness, and He can make it beautiful little by little. I close with this thought. We've taken our church on many, many global global trips. I've been to Africa almost a dozen times. 
on one of the trips, my wife and I, our, in fact, one of our goals were we were going to take our sons on a, on a missions trip before they left the house. And they've been on two or three of them. And uh, we went with one uh, group, and one of the ladies that went with us was an older woman. She was raised on the mission field. She was raised in Kenya, and she learned the language Swahili. She wrote me a card. And I want to just tell you, I know Kurt mentioned this to me last night. You guys prayed for me back in that time, and I want to say thank you for that. For those that prayed for me, I wouldn't be sitting here today without the power of prayer. I'm glad that Central is a house of prayer. And I was prayed for. There were cards sent to me. And Rachel, who went on this global team, she said, Brian, she said, here's what I want to say to you. She said, I didn't know what to say. I didn't want to say something I shouldn't say, but I want to give you a Swahili phrase. The Swahili phrase is Haba Nahaba. Say it. Haba Nahaba. See, now you know Hebrew and you know Swahili. Shalom and Haba Nahaba. It means little by little. Haba Nahaba. Can we all stand to our feet, please? I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads for a minute. Close your eyes. As they play that song just quietly, I want you to think about something. Are you ready? I know June 7th, I didn't wake up thinking, hey, that, this is the day. This could be my last day. You were thinking about blessing first responders, having a great service. Just doing what the Cuck family does. Loving God, going to church. And I just would be wrong today if I didn't give the opportunity. If you're in this service, you may be coming, as your pastor said, three days, three weeks, 30 years. But you're here, and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it doesn't matter if you're a member of Central or not. They're not making members here. They're making disciples. Not fans, but followers. And if you're in this room and you're not ready to meet God and you'd like to have a personal relationship with Him, I'd like you just to raise your hand. Just me and you. Raise it up. Raise it up high so I can see it. Is there anybody here today you're going through some brokenness in your life? You don't have to say what it is, but you say, yeah, I've got some brokenness, Pastor. My life feels shattered in some ways and I, I want prayer. Just slip up your hand and say, pray for me. Thank you, thank you. I see a number of hands going up. I see a lot of hands going up. What we're going to do, those that raise their hands, we're going to let the team lead in a song. And uh, if you want to, these altars are open. I know that this is the center part of Central. It's a place for you to come and pray and kneel. I saw these little kids up here. I'll tell you, I was so blessed. I was sitting up here in the front row, and many of them were just kneeling right across the front of these steps. Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. Kids are just innocent. You know, when I'm preaching somewhere, if, a, if an adult's getting a little bored, they'll kind of go. They'll look at their watch as they yawn. Little kids will say, this is boring. What happened to your leg? Kids are just honest. So if you want prayer, these altars are open. You come. The altar team is going to come. They'll pray for you. Your staff, I'm sure, will pray for you. Adam will lead us in a song. And uh, so let's sing one more song. Come if you want prayer. And then, uh, uh, Pastor Kurt, you come and close the service as you, you feel led. But it's been great to be with you. Love you guys.
Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.